name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at that name demons tremble, there's freedom in that name, there's healing and deliverance at that name, we will proclaim the name of Jesus, hallelujah, we thank you Father God for giving us access to you through that name of Jesus, for sending your son to be our savior. We thank you, Father God, that you're still working miracles even today through that name of Jesus. That we can receive healing through the blood of Jesus. We're so thankful for that name. We'll never stop saying that name, that mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for this service. Holy Spirit, we don't just invite you into the room. We give you the room. And we turn it over to you to will and to do as you please, that we may be built up and equipped to do the work of the ministry in the mighty name of Jesus. If you agree, I want you to shout amen and amen. Hallelujah. Greet somebody around you, tell them Jesus loves you, and so do I, and you may take your seats. and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm so glad that you decided to join us here this morning. I'm glad that you are joining us online from wherever you're at this morning. We know that God has great things in store for you. But before I go any further, please turn your attention to the screens for our weekly announcements. More than ever before, now is the time to get a better understanding.
training centers all term will start the week of September 19th. To register, please visit lwson.org apply. For more information, contact Barbara Plummer at bplummer at libingwd.org or call 708-697-5309.
John chapter 2 verse 20, a very familiar word. 
says, but you have an unction from the Holy One. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have an unction from the Holy One. Okay? And you know all things. So the giving of tithes and offerings is a basic biblical principle. It's given by God, and when it's understood and acted upon in faith, it always brings great rewards. I'm going to go back to 1997 when I first got saved. And I remember I was trying to understand and learn this principle. Uh, I, I practiced it. And at that time, I was moving furniture. Believe that? The residential theologian was moving furniture for a living because he did not know who he was in Christ and had just gotten saved. And so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, 10% of my increase, you know, um, how am I going to do this? So I had to go back to the Word. I had to take out those trees. And I had to, you know, confess the Word of God and, and, and let the Lord teach me. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us the natural man receiveth not the things of God, uh, the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now over in the book of Galatians, I believe the 15th and 16th chapter, when Paul was called, when he said that the Lord called him to preach to the Gentiles, he said, I immediately reason not with flesh and blood. So he didn't try to figure it out with his own mind, right? And remember, something that we all have when we get saved again, again, it's called the anointing. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you should abide in him. Okay? So we have the anointing, and with all respect to the fivefold ministry, you know, we do have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to help teach us, but you have that anointing. You have that function. And so, First thing that happened, my hours got cut. True story. Moving furniture. So what does the boss do? He cuts my hours. Now I'm sitting here thinking, man, how's this going to work? Because I can tell you, I got saved, and we had part-time hired labor off the street. What do you think I'm doing? I'm telling them about Jesus. And it got to a point where one of the owners said, because we were in a city building, he's like, Amar. He didn't know his name. He didn't know Amar's going to preach. Stop talking about that. You know? And so that's all I knew. But I began to do it. And, and my point is this, as I began to tie, as I persisted, I went from moving furniture to getting a job in the post office. And I remember, how many you know that is an upgrade, right? And so when I went to the post office, I remember someone came up to me, who was a fellow Christian, and they were like, you know, you're delivering letters to people every day. One day, you're going to be delivering them to God, you know? And I'm like, okay, thank you, thank you, okay, you know? But it was a prophetic word that was spoken. From the, and then God had to begin to operate as I was, you know, honoring him. He began to open doors. I then went on to teaching. Uh, that God opened a door in the educational system. And that evolved into becoming an administrator. And then now, ultimately responding to the call of God and being the residential theologian, you know, here at Living Word Christian Center. Amen? But see, this is what I've learned through the Bible. And this is what I've practiced. This kingdom principle. God's blessed me. And he's blessed my family. You know, the Bible tells us the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Now, I'm not boasting. Paul said, if I boast, I boast in the Lord. Amen? But here's my point. God is no respecter of persons. I know I'm not the only one here that can say that. In this house, we have testimonies that attest to the blessings that we've all reaped through honoring God with our tithes and offerings. And no one. Amen? How many believe that? You know, pastor's been teaching what you believe causes God's power to flow. 
you know, I decided many years ago, tithing should not be looked upon as an obligation. It's a privilege. And don't forget, not only is it a privilege, it's an act of worship. So I decided not to let fear, doubt, or anxiety cloud my thinking or affect my emotions after I took the step of faith and obeyed the word of God. Amen? So let me close with this. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. And never forget this next verse, please. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Amen? Let's give the Lord a praise clap, saying to God, let's prepare our time for
How many know he's working miracles right now? Amen. And he's about to work a miracle the minute we release this seed. Let's lift up our tithes and offerings before the Lord. I'll go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we profess this day unto you that we have come into the inheritance which you swore to give us. We are in the land which you have provided for us in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of Almighty God. We were trespassers and dead in sins, but we called upon the name of Jesus, and you heard our cry and delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of your dear Son. Jesus is our Lord and High Priest. We bring the first fruits of our income to you, that you may worship the Lord our God with them. Father, we rejoice in all the good which you have given to us in our households. We have heard your voice and have done according to all that you have commanded us. Now, Father, as you look down from your holy habitation from heaven to bless us, as you said in your word, we believe that we now receive these blessings according to your word. This is our confession of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God. How many of you all know that God is still working miracles? Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for your generous and consistent giving. Praise God. We thank you so much for it. Are you ready for the word today? You all are a live and awake bunch for the early service. Amen. Praise God. I'm in the right place. This is the right bunch, right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray and we'll get started with our word here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to receive and hear the word. We thank you, Father God, that this word of God would come through unhindered and unchecked by any outside force. Lord, I ask that you would think through my mind and speak through my lips. And I thank you that the seed of the word of God would go into every heart and bear forth much good fruit. Now, Lord, I decrease that you increase. I step back that you may step forward. And we decree and declare in advance signs, wonders, and miracles confirming the very word preached. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree, say amen. 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 First of all, I want to thank our pastor, Dr. Bill Winston, my father, for giving us this opportunity, giving me this opportunity. Amen. It's always an honor when I get an opportunity to stand before you and deliver the word of God. Uh, I thought I would start off with uh, a little bit of a story to give us a little context. 
whenever I get a chance to travel with our pastor, uh, let's say travel over to Africa um, when we're doing mission trips, and he has a session where he's speaking to business leaders, business people, he often tells a story. And this story is about a Saudi Arabia prince that some years ago, this prince was having a golf tournament, and he was having a private golf tournament at his residence. And so he invited a well-known golfer from America to come over and take part in this tournament. And so the golfer, he was very delighted at this invitation. He accepted. And so the Saudi Arabia prince, he sent his private jet over to pick the golfer up. Amen. How would you like to have a private jet sent for your services? And so he sent the jet over. And so the golfer went to Saudi Arabia, and they had a great time. For the next week, they enjoyed many laughs, gourmet meals, played many rounds of golf. And at the end of the week, it was time for the golfer to go back home. So the prince said, well, I'd like to get you something for your time. I'd like to give you a gift. And the golfer said, no, no, everything that you've done so far has been amazing. I don't need anything. But the prince, he was insistent. And now the golfer, he understood protocol. He didn't want to uh, offend the royal family. So he said, fine, um, get me a golf club. The prince said, golf club? And he said, yeah, golf club. He said, okay, I can do that. And so they said their goodbyes. He got back on the plane. And on the plane, the golfer, he was thinking, ah, I wonder what kind of golf club is the prince going to get me. I know the prince likes to live lavish and do it up big, so maybe he'll get me a custom-made nine iron with an ostrich handle. Or maybe he'll get me something that has, uh, that's diamond-crusted. Or maybe he'll get me a golf club that's 24 karat gold. And so he's thinking, he's dreaming, he's excited. Well, he gets back home, and several weeks pass by, and he's heard nothing from the prince. Nothing from the, the palace. And so he starts to get disappointed. He says, well, you know, maybe the prince forgot about me. And, you know, he understands because the prince is busy. But the very next day, he got a knock on the front door. And he came to the front door. He opened the door. And there's a well-dressed gentleman right in front of him. And he said, are you Mr. Such and Such? And he said, yes, that's me. And he handed him an envelope. He said, what's this? He opened the envelope. And it was the title deed to a 500-acre golf club estate. Now, when the golfer asked for a golf club, he was thinking. But when the prince heard golf club, he was thinking. It reminds me of a scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think, according to the power that works within you. How many of you all know that we serve a big God who has big plans for you, who has big dreams for us? Now, how do we connect to those big plans and big dreams? By faith. We connect by faith. And what I've learned is that not only in Africa, but in every country and in every nation, the way that we connect to the promises of God, the way that we get the best of God, the way that we overcome in this Christian life is by faith. Regardless of industry, culture, background, regardless of job status or title, we are all commanded in the word of God to live by faith. I like what it says in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. It says, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Say, I'm doing great exploits. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm doing great exploits. Turn to your other neighbor, the good-looking one, and say, I'm doing great exploits. We were designed to do exploits. What, now, what is exploits? I like to say it like this. News-making, record-breaking, attention-getting, undeniable, supernatural results of God. I'm going to say that again. News-making, record-breaking, attention-getting, undeniable, supernatural results of God. What God wants to use you to do, nobody has seen before. Maybe nobody in your family has done before. Maybe nobody in your neighborhood and your background has experienced that before. Sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor David, there's nobody in my family who has started a business. I say, great. It's good that you'll be the first because you'll be able to give God glory for it. We are designed to do great exploits. God has great things in store for us. We serve a big God, an almighty God. I like what Oral Roberts used to say, expect a miracle. We're designed for miracle living. And not only to be the recipient of miracles, but be the administrator and administer of it. God supplies the power, we are the vessel, right? And so I want to stay in this vein where pastor has been talking about miracles, being miracle-minded and, and unfolding the mystery of miracles. And I want to talk to you this morning on the subject titled, I'm cooperating with the miracle. I'm cooperating with the miracle. Because I found sometimes that in the midst of what God wants to do with us and through us, sometimes we find ourselves, instead of cooperating with the miracle, we find ourselves fighting against the miracle. Maybe we don't understand logically what's going on. Maybe we don't understand the plan of God or what he's doing, why he's asking us to go here, do this, talk like this, uh, believe this, enroll in this. And since we don't logically understand, sometimes we're hesitant to step out. Maybe I'm just talking about my own experience. Oh, okay, all right, just making sure. And so what I want to do is I want to go through a very familiar scripture passage for us. I know we've been taught well by our pastor here. But I want to go to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to encourage you today and ask you to do something for me. I don't want you to hear with familiar hearing. I don't want you to hear with familiar hearing this morning. I'm asking you to hear with fresh ears, to get a fresh understanding as the Holy Spirit not only speaks through me, but speaks to you about exactly what you are to do with this word preached here today. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. It says this, so as it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Then he got onto, or into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now that's, that's logic, right? That's, that's the facts. But nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had gone and done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And so they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsake all or forsook all and followed him. Amen. So this morning we're going to walk through this story step by step. And like I said, I want you to hear with fresh ears. And I want to give some context before we go any further. So this place, the Lake of Gennesaret, as it says here in the Gospel of Luke, this is the same body of water as the Sea of Galilee, as the Lake of Tiberias. And there's a few different reasons where, why they might have been differently or, or referenced differently uh, by different people. But I want to tell you that there's one main body of water here that is being talked about in the Gospels. That's the only main body of water in Galilee until you keep going way up north and you get to the Great Sea. But this lake is the main body of water. So let's help paint the picture because this is the same body of water that Peter walked on in Matthew chapter 4. Or 14, excuse me, Matthew chapter 14. He was walking on the water, right? This is the same body of water that in Mark chapter 4, the storm arose, right? And they thought that they were going to drown. The disciples thought that they were going to die. This is the same sea. And it's about maybe just over six miles wide. And this is that large body of water. So at this body of water, a lot of things transpire, right? There's a lot of things that take place in the Gospels here at this setting. But this is one of the first notable things that we see take place. And so what is happening? Jesus is teaching, but he needs to get to a place where maybe more people could see or hear him. So he says, okay, I see some boats over here. But what did it say? In verse 2, it says, as he saw the boats standing by the lake, the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. And so Simon, Peter, Andrew, you know, his crew, they're washing the nets. But Jesus, he gets in the boat anyway. And think about it like this. You know, as I was studying, I was thinking about it. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and maybe they're going to be closing soon and you go to the restaurant and the restaurant's still technically open, but they tell you the kitchen's closed? You ever had that happen to you? That's especially bad if you really had a craving for what's on their menu. You don't want to hear that the kitchen's closed because they say the kitchen's closed to imply that you can't order anything, right? If I have any restaurant owners here, you understand that, you know, when you close up the kitchen, you're doing so for a reason. So what does that mean? That means all the food is put away. That means everything has been stored. They're already washing the pots and the pans. They've turned off the stove and the ovens and all that. Everything that's necessary to close up the kitchen because they're now preparing for the next day. So think about it in terms of that, that they're washing their nets. They're done. They're done. They're now investing time in getting ready for the next day. And when Jesus gets in the boat and says, hey, push out a little from the land, and then he tells them later on to let down their nets, this is something that is inconvenient in the mind of Peter. Let's put ourselves in Peter's shoes. We've closed up the kitchen, right? We're ready to go home. It's been a 16-hour day. These feats is hurting. It's time to go home. Peter's fished all night, hasn't caught anything. What I've learned is that with God, the impossible often involves the inconvenient. And I believe that that's the first step for a miracle. Am I willing to let God inconvenience me? 
Because if I'm too stuck and comfortable, then an inconvenience is a threat to my well-being, right? To, to my comfort. I don't want to work too hard. That's not you. That's them. That's the ones that are sleeping in, not you. You're here at the early service. Let's keep going, though. And then in verse 3, it says this. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now, Simon had to decide to hear the word. He could have tuned out, maybe could have asked one of his other partners to go out there, but he decided to hear the word. We know what the scripture says, right? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by having heard that one time. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're consistently hearing the word of God. I'm so glad that we're in a ministry and in a church where there is faith teaching going on all the time. I know one thing. If there wasn't any time in history that we needed to use our faith, now is the time. They got pandemic, they got monkeypox, they're talking about recession, we got, we got inventory issues and backlog, and we can't get microchips for cars. Let me tell you, now is the time that you need to be building and using your faith. But another thing I learned about faith teaching, faith teaching erases limitations. What did Jesus preach? He must have preached on the kingdom of God. Because Luke chapter 4, verse 43, it tells us that he says, I must preach the kingdom of God, not only here, but to the other cities also. For this purpose, I have been sent. So we know if Jesus was preaching, he was preaching on the kingdom of God, he was probably preaching one of the main principles of the kingdom and sowing and reaping. And what did Peter do? Even unknowingly, he sowed his boat to Jesus. He turned over what he had to the master. I hear God saying that to somebody today. Will you turn over what you have to the master? I believe without faith teaching by the word, our limitations remain intact. Not because they're stronger, but because our logical mind thinks they're more powerful. Before the impossible can happen, God always has to build our belief. And so we go to verse 4, and then we had, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I'm going to ask you a real simple question. You can give me a real simple answer. So what if Simon Peter did not let down his net to catch any fish? Would he have been able to catch any fish? No. Y'all are a smart bunch. I can't sneak anything by you. Real easy and simple question, right? So that means that Peter had to participate, right? The miracle only can happen when I decide to partner with God. No miracle manifests without my participation. Now, I know what you might be saying. You might be saying, well, well God can do anything. No, I, I understand that. He sure can. I'm not limiting God with that statement. I'm saying that you have a responsibility because any faith that puts all of the responsibility solely on God is an irresponsible faith. But even Jesus, let's check out Jesus. I'll prove it to you. When Jesus went to heal, what would he do? He said, uh, stretch forth your withered hand. 
Rise, take up your bed and walk. Get up off your mat. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. What did he say? He said, go fill the water pots, pour out some in a cup, take it to the master ceremonies, and that's when the water turned to wine. You go through the gospel and see everything that happened miraculously. It involves somebody's participation. And sometimes it's hard for us because it's more comfortable to sit down on the sideline than it is to actively engage with the instructions of God. Now that can be where the challenge is because that shakes me out of my comfort zone. But God, you want me to say what? You want me to sow what? You want me to enroll in what? You want me to quit my job and start this business? That can be inconvenient. That can seem illogical. That can seem difficult, but that's what faith is. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is committing God's integrity to perform. God said it, that settles it. Now when I hear faith teaching, it gives me a new perspective, right? It helps me to see the way God sees. Because if I can't see it, I can't seize it. So that's why God says, meditate this word of God day and night, because I need you to change the way you see. Because if you can see it strong enough in here, it'll manifest out here. And as our pastor says, we don't live from the outside in. We live from the inside out. And our belief system will always take us to a place where it can express itself the most. So now we have Jesus. He's preaching this word of God, right? And then he says, go and let down your nets for a catch. As a matter of fact, along that same line in John chapter 11, verse 39, you remember Lazarus, who had been dead for how many days? Four days and stinking. And Jesus came and Martha and Mary, they said, oh, you should have been here. Our brother wouldn't have died. And he said, okay, take me to where he's at. They took him to where he's at. And what did he say? He said, roll away the stone. He didn't immediately talk to Lazarus. He asked somebody to participate. He said, who's ready to partner with the invisible? Martha, Mary, get, get your cousins. Have them roll away the stone. Because of free will, God gives us the opportunity to say no. That's the decision that you have to make that says is my faith stronger than what my natural mind is telling me? Let's keep going. Are you with me so far? So they had to cooperate with the miracle. Now, let me ask you a question. What if one of the other fishermen had heard about this? He wasn't there, but he heard about this and came back four hours later and said, I heard about what happened to Peter. I'm going to get in my boat and I'm going to go to the same area that he fished in. And then he let down his net. He was expecting a great catch. Do you think he would have caught a great catch? I don't think he would have. Why wouldn't he caught, catch a great catch? Because he didn't have the word from the master. He was just mimicking the tactics of what he saw somebody else do. And what he heard somebody else do. But the miracle wasn't in mimicking the tactics. The miracle was in the faith and obedience according to what the master said. 
See, sometimes, you know, we can hear testimonies, but if we're not careful, we'll start mimicking tactics. But it's not about the tactic of the testimony. It's about the obedience according to the faith and what God said. What is God telling you to do? What is God instructing you in? That's where the power is. And then also, Peter was the one who sowed his boat. When I don't sow seed, there can be no harvest. That's why I'm a seed sower. Ooh, let me back up. That's why I'm a tither. This opens me up for those blessings. Because now I'm being shown faithful in that which is the least. How can I expect blessings from God if I'm not even faithful in what's his? Let there be no controversy. Let's keep going. In verse 5, it says this. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, this word master is very important because Peter, he references Jesus as master. And yes, he is master. But notice he didn't reference him as Lord. He referenced him as master, indicating teacher. And theologians, they actually, they estimate that in the chronological order of things, that this was not Peter's first encounter with Jesus. They actually estimate that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law in his home before this event took place. So now he's familiar with Jesus. He knows Jesus is a healer. He references him as master, but he did not yet consider him his Lord just yet. And so he toiled all night. He was exhausted mentally, physically, and emotionally from work. Now Jesus, he was not the fishing expert, right? I like what uh, Minister Derek said on Wednesday, that he didn't go to Fish University, right? He didn't have an MBA in aquatics or marine biology. He didn't go to uh, a vocational school for fishing, a, a trade school. He was not a fisherman. He was a carpenter by trade. So what does that mean? Naturally, logically, this man shouldn't be able to tell me about fishing. To confirm his ignorance, he's telling me to fish in the daytime. I mean, what is that? What is that? What, 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 look at this guy. What, 